0: For the first time in three years, Formula One's back in Canada, but the Italians are saying, we just can't beat this guy. Verstappen's back on the top again. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. I need to learn what the Italian is for. We just can't beat this guy, clearly, because uh, they just can't beat Max Verstappen at the moment. Welcome to episode three seventy-five of Motorsport One Hundred and One, and for the first time in three years, the sport is back in Canada. Oh, yes, I love the. I love Canadian- this track. I love the Canadian Grand Prix. I love this track. It's, this is genuinely the round that's on my bucket list. If I could pick one Grand Prix, I'd always want to go to. I'd love to go to Montreal um, for the Canadian Grand Prix. I, I need to do this at some point. I like the last two years have made me realise just how much I've missed this place and. It's a good time, and we had a decent Grand Prix to show for it, for the first Canadian Grand Prix since 2019. I'm still not mad about that stewarding decision, I promise. Honestly, I'm not. It's fine. It's fine. Um, But with me, as always, Mr. Ryan Eric King. Hello, sir.
1: Um, hello. Glad glad to have Montreal back. You know, it's basically me and Cam's home race. It's the closest F1 race to where we live. What, you think I'm
2: going to claim Texas as a home race? Get out of here.
1: <laughs> Wait, we have options now. We have Miami as Do you think I want to go to Florida for a home race?
0: <laughs> I, I, I love that he was like, we have options. They're infinitely worse. <laughs> it's like, they're meant to be getting better in quantity, not worse as it goes on. But Somehow, uh,
2: I think uh, going on, I think Las Vegas might be our most... Uh...
0: our our safest option so is this the part where cam says do you think i want to claim las vegas as my home race Oh no (laughs) really rather not exactly Uh, but with us again as ever is cam buckley hello buddy how's it going
2: uh it's going all right i feel uh i feel a lot better than the last time we recorded an f1 episode (laughs) um we beat this thing which is not something ferrari can say these days (laughs) and uh all i'm saying is this friday uh come on down to the porsche lmdh launch where this brand is serving your ass on a platter
0: (laughs) I i love that we have an audience here where we record this show on riverside where steve who's listening in one of our patreon backers hey steve good to see you um he's actually given me the italian in phrase here. Now watch how I butcher this phrase in front of the world's audience. Quote, non Pissiamo prevale questo legazzo. We just can't beat this guy. In Italian. (laughs) Thank you very much, Steve. Much appreciated, because that is pretty much the story of this one. This was, well, it was a tight finish, but Max Verstappen pretty much dominated the entire (coughs) weekend. Um, in near flawless fashion. It was so flawless, even Ed Straw of the race gave it a 10 out of 10. And you know, they're like rocking horse shit. So,
2: yeah. It, made, it was so good, Ed Straw made, made him an honorary English person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's how you know it was special. Um, yeah, a perfect 10, a perfect weekend, really. for Max, outside of a fastest lap bonus point, but... Uh, Yeah, a dominant weekend, a very wet qualifying session that led us to a topsy-turvy grid. And what we feared when we did our Azerbaijan episode a couple of weeks ago, Charles Leclerc did indeed have to take a fourth turbo. And, well, Ferrari thought, sod it. We're just going to add an entire fourth power unit to eradication and take the back of the grid start. So the only man that could stop Max Verstappen from the win was, checking my notes here, Oh, no, it's Carlos Sainz. <laughs> What's the worst that could possibly happen here? We'll talk about that f- That podium finish, that ending. Mercedes back in the mix, kind of, sort of, maybe, because Hamilton got back on the podium for the first time since the opening round. Oh, God, it feels like forever. We'll, we'll talk about a hotly contested midfield, and the FIA have indeed stepped in on the porpoising issue. We'll get into the details on that front as well. But in the meantime, there's places you can find us real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. You can follow us on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. if you'd like to follow our host personally, you can with me at Harrison101HD, at King of Ryan Eric King, and Cam at Buckley 917 Follow RJ O'Connell. Follow him as well. He's not here because he's, he, he's a bit ill. Hope Get well soon, RJ. hope you're doing all right, buddy. Um, and of course, if you can check out the website, motorsport101.com, for even more discussion on the Canadian Grand Prix and MotoGP's shit show in Germany this past weekend as well. That's on the website as well as our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101 for all of the details on there. I think if you want to help back us financially, you can over there. Thank you very much if you do. So, should we talk about the Canadian Grand Prix, fellas? Let's do that. <laughs> so, let me get this straight here. Verstappen did it again. Uh, he qualified on pole by a, a, a clean half second. He survived the onslaught of Carlos signs at the start of the race on an alternate strategy, and then with a safety car towards the end of the race. Oh, Yuki, what were you doing? Um, that was all-time bad. That was... Ooh, ooh. On, a, on a quick side note, one of the most embarrassing F1 crashes I can remember in recent history by Yuki to bring out that safety car. Straight onto the pits, into the wall. It's it's, it's like a six-year-old playing F1 2021 on, on, on the PS4 for the first time. It wasn't pretty. Um, so it basically turned the race into a 16-lap sprint race. And uh, despite Carlos being on five-lap old fresher tires, uh, Verstappen held on. Uh, despite an onslaught of Ferrari pressure and no working radio after the final restart, he still would come through to win by half a second. Over signs and Lewis Hamilton with his first podium finish since the opening round in Bahrain in third. But uh, we got to ask, gentlemen, who looked the most impressive out of those three podium sitters over the course of this one? I think I should open with it's definitely not Lewis Hamilton. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was generous on Twitter, but the more I think about it, the more I realize, well, two of the big hitters had severely compromised races. Hamilton should be finishing third here. Yeah, I mean,
2: Mercedes... Mercedes started off this weekend really, really bad. Um, They were Mm. experimenting a lot in practice, and, I mean, the car looked genuinely undrivable, And they eventually they just took a business decision to raise the car up a little bit, soften up their suspension. Remember that it becomes important later Mm. and took home a reasonable result, but they're still their usual 0.7, 0.8 off the both the two, the front two fighting and causing each other's tires to grain. Um, and the late safety car really flattered them on what was another weekend where they're just not fast enough.
0: Yeah. Um, can't argue with that. I mean, good for Lewis. It was still a, a good result um, and, and whatnot, but uh, I, I, I can't say it's him. Um, but, oh, the front two. Now, this was an interesting... No, honestly, I'll give Carlos signs. this. He drove out of his skin on this one. He really tried. You could tell he really, really tried. Um... Because we had two early virtual safety cars, Verstappen boxed during the first one to, to get back to third. Signs took the second one on lap 20, I believe it was. You know, it, it, the, the race, by this point, we kind of knew it was going to be a two-stopper rather than the one-stopper that uh, we thought it was going to be. We had, obviously, like so Jason already points out in, in our chat, yeah, Checo was the first uh, DNF for a seemingly a gearbox failure and then yep. Mick Schumacher who was running 7th at the time as his car shot off. Oh!
2: Another Ferrari power unit problem.
0: Oh! Mick was, was way on for his best weekend in Formula 1 and then that happened. God damn it! Um, but uh, it turned into a two-stopper. Max had just come in for his second and final stop. And then five laps later, Sonoda brings out the safety car. Signs gets a golden chance to box under a safety car. Gets five lap fresher tires on. We get a 16-lap sprint. Signs gets close. Can't figure out a way through. Max wins his sixth race of the year. And a lot of people I saw on social media were quite down on Max for this one, which I thought was kinda weird. I think it was more like more excuses to rag on signs for not winning this one. Given, yeah, he had a small advantage on tires, and um, you know wasn't quite able to convert. My response to that would be Cam, in particular, would be, isn't this the third time Verstappen has won a Grand Prix like this this season? Ah, uh, yeah, because he he beat Charles Leclerc in a dogfight in Saudi Arabia, he beat Charles Leclerc in a dogfight in Miami, and now he's beating Carlos Sainz in a dogfight in Canada. He's really yeah. good at this, you guys. You didn't realize this, right?
2: He's just—he's just not making mistakes under pressure. And I think we've talked about, you know, the 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 really the X factor that the Red Bull has is having just exceptional straight line speed, which is pretty important around this track. I have to say, mm. um, it's just nothing signs could do about him because Max, first of all, through sector one was just—he had three tenths on the field in sector one.
0: Yeah, it was an X-Factor. It was just every time times within half a second coming through turn one to start a new lap, it was 0.8 by the time Sector 2 had started. Max was just broken in Sector 1. Yeah, and he could get up off of the hairpin
2: and get down the straight, and the Red Bull's just too fast in a straight line. Um, you know, if, if, the, if it's the Red Bull chasing the Ferrari, it's so fast in a straight line that they can run the Ferrari down. If the role is reversed, there's just not a lot the Ferrari can do about it. And to that effect, something something that dude. (laughs) Max was fastest in FP1. Yep. He was fastest in FP2. Mm -hmm. Basically, didn't really run much in FP3. Annihilated the field in qualifying by about seven tenths of a second.
0: He was finding chunks every time. Every every time someone would set a fastest
2: lap, Max would just go top it by a second.
0: Yep. It was like again and again. Just just kept knocking the goalposts further ahead. It was ridiculous. And it was just never
2: really under threat in the race. Even even with Carlos in DRS, he just couldn't get close enough. And uh, as as good a show as uh, Carlos was in the race, because this was a definite improvement. I mean, he looked like a completely different driver compared to, say, two races ago where, or three mm. races ago where he looked out of his depth. Um, that qualifying mistake out of the final turn basically guaranteed that Max had a blocker in Fernando Alonso. Front row for Fred. It's
0: front row for Fred, his first front row start in nearly a decade.
2: <sighs> Since Germany 2012, the last time he got pole as well. Um, Good God. It, it guaranteed that Max had a blocker for the first two or three laps, and then Science could never really get back after him. Um, Dre, how many points ahead is Max now? Uh, forty-six. Ooh, and that's over his teammate. Yeah, Sergio Perez, who obviously did not finish. He basically has two races on Charles. He has a bigger gap than he did going into Silverstone last year. And somehow I don't think Charles is going to give him the good old if gap car like Lewis did at Cops last year.
0: <laughs> Although it wouldn't make things more interesting. I'll certainly say that much. But uh would not recommend. Charles, don't do that. Um yeah, he's got two he, he he's got two races on the field. We're only nine rounds in. Like it's it's we still have thirteen races to go this season because we now know Russia won't be replaced. So We have 13 rounds to go, and it already feels like Max is in, as Jason puts it in the chat, snooker's required territory. which He's he's in a
2: situation where it's it's not unassailable. Um, We've still got 13 rounds left. We can still have plenty of big swings. But if Max just keeps it on the road and doesn't suffer reliability problems, it's going to be really, really difficult to overturn that kind of gap.
0: Do you remember after Australia when Charles Leclerc had a 36-point lead? Oh, man. How the
1: (laughs) tables have turned.
0: (laughs) That was six races ago. There's been a 90-point swing between these two since Australia. I mean, just look at this weekend in the World Constructors'
2: Championship. We talk about, you know, you win your titles on your worst day. Red Bull had a car retire. Mm -hmm. And yet they only lost four points in the constructors
0: yeah and you could, you and you can make a case that ferrari might have had the quicker car this weekend because
2: i'm not gonna go that i'm not gonna go that far because i think drs was just helping him
1: Mm.
2: He, he was just hanging on in that final stint because there was there's we had three rs return for this weekend uh, once down yeah. the ba- once down the straight after the hairpin, once down the pit straight, and then once in uh the middle sector, mm. and he still couldn't get any closer than about
0: half a second. Yeah, I think it was a point three in its absolute closest into the final chicane and the wall of champions because that's your best spot to overtake somebody around here, and nope, just could not get close enough. Look. A lot of people want to rag on Carlos. This is not the round for that, as far as I'm concerned. I think he drove very well for what it's worth. Um, that is what you hope. I don't want to say... I don't want to call signs a number two driver, because I think he's better than that moniker at no. this point. Um, I think he's earned the right to be not be typecast as a number two driver. That's what you hope someone who you might think is in that role to do. And, you know, he was half a second away from winning this race. I can't I can't rag on the guy for that. And look, I've said it in general, Sainz's n- season has been nowhere near as bad as some people like to think that it is. And I think the scoreboard position is more down to two of his three DNFs being through shit that was out of his hands, which doesn't help either. Um, but it was a nice reminder that Carlos is a damn good racing driver when he wants to be. I just think that he like I think Science is a great driver. I think Verstappen is the best racing driver on the planet right now and that's and he probably has been for two years now. And it does not matter what scenario you throw at Max, he can win. And like it's not like this was a fluke. Like I said, it's the third time he's won a a confrontation pressure race like this one and he didn't put a single foot wrong for sixteen laps at full speed and with no radio. That's I incredible
2: let say the reason why Mercedes looked like they were a little closer in the final stint than they have been was because the front two pushed so hard they graded each other's tires.
0: Yeah, it was an all-out assault. Um, that's and what you do. Still,
2: and there was still nothing that Lewis or George, who again, missed their consistency, brought a home P four. There's just nothing yeah. they could do. They just yep. have to watch the front two drive off into the distance. I think the bigger thing for me looking at it is that, like, like the Fabio discussion in uh, MotoGP. He's got 49 points. Is Max even going to drop 49 points in his control for the remainder of the year?
0: <laughs> if reliability doesn't play its ugly head in this, you may be onto something there. Um, because it's, like,
2: it's it's like Max's ceiling is blowing the field away. Mm. His floor is third place when the car finishes.
0: Yeah, he's a podium machine. We knew this from last year. He broke the all-time record of 18 Last yeah, recently, year. I mean, we had
2: another one this weekend. Ferrari's ceiling net right now seems to be, you know, level with Red Bull, might sneak a win. Mm. Their floor is on the side of the road on fire. Not ideal.
0: It's, it's like Ducati, only a different shade of red. It's uh, not ideal, to say the least. Also, fun fact, 26th win of Max Verstappen's career. He's now ninth, outright ninth on the all-time wins list. He has Jesus more, Christ. He has more F1 wins than Jim Clark, and he's 24 years old. Yeah, and on <coughs> a related note,
1: this hmm. also means that Red Bull Racing has more wins as a team than Lotus.
0: What the fuck? <laughs> Just. <laughs> That's if that was... you
2: include Lotus in all of its iterations as well.
0: 80. like I think it was the 82nd win yes. for Red Bull Racing as a team? Yes. I, I mean, it helps when you've got. Two of the all-time greats driving for you over the course of that time, and hey, Daniel Ricciardo was pretty good too when he was in Red Bull. Um, he's had a fair contribution. Webber was a pretty good driver in his day. It's like it's just like when it comes to all of the recent Red Bull Racing drivers, Daniel Ricciardo was the floor with eight wins. I think seven of his eight career wins. That's terrifying. <laughs> Webber had nine. I think I think Vettel had thirty-eight. Um, in, in, in at Red Bull in the time in the time he was there, I think the six years he was there, and now Verstappen's had twenty six of his own to add to that pile because he's not one for any other team. Um, yeah, ninth on the all time wins list, more wins than Jim Clark and Nicky Lauda. Next up for him is Jackie Stewart on the all time <laughs> list. That's, he was on twenty seven. It is terrifying how far he could possibly take this. He's on. 10 win per season pace. Easily, at the moment. Um,
2: He's won 6 of of 9 this year. 16 out of his last 31. Over half. Yeah. Nothing king? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing king? 6 out of 9? Not even a chuckle?
1: Nice? Nice. I I got all my
0: (laughs) I got all the nice references out of my system. <laughs> how dare how dare you drain? Uh, there should always be room in your system for a nice reference. How dare you? What what work on that during this next segment? Because uh, yeah, bef- the big story going into this weekend, b- besides bullshit on Twitter, was uh, well that's always a thing. To be fair, um, was an intervention. We had an intervention from our Lord and Saviours. Checks notes the FIA. Um,
2: Damn, we really have fallen.
0: Society has crumbled. Um, The FIA is stepping in regarding the porpoise issue. We mentioned it during Baku a couple of weeks ago. Um, And, yeah, they released a a, a statement uh, in the middle of the week heading up to Canada, basically saying, yeah, we are stepping in. Um, We're going to sit down with the teams to establish a, quote, maximum vertical amplitude. Regarding their cars, um, and analyse all the designs of each car's keel and skid plate. Credit to count for putting out in words I can understand. Um, <laughs> that note section here, but there's been a lot of back and forth discussions regarding the team principles. There's alleged rumours. There was a. Verbal fisticuff between between Toto Wolf and Matea Bonotto. Um that Netflix may or may not <laughs> with have with Christian up.
2: with Christian Horner,
0: all <laughs> <laughs> three of them together. Oh please, I, I need that video footage immediately, just for my, just for research purposes, obviously. So there's, there's been talk of of heated dialogues, and you know Horner is clearly not keen on a mid season adjustment. For understandable reasons. Toto Wolf is saying that the teams are letting down their drivers, even though his team's kind of responsible for this in the first place. It's gotten bitchy and ugly in here, but the question I pose to you fellas is should the FIA have stepped in and what have you made of the discussions amongst the teams since?
2: Um, Point one, yes, absolutely, and this is the way they could do it because they issued... um, the, the the vocabulary here is very important. They issued a technical directive, meaning that they're not changing the regulations. They're merely changing how the existing ones are enforced. Right. So they could push this through on the grounds of safety without having to have the teams agree on it. Which, of course, they wouldn't because they're the Formula One teams. Um, yeah, they, they, they want to analyze all the floors, all of the keel designs. Um, all the wear on the skid blocks underneath the cars as well as and they're still working out a formula for this so we don't have the exact details on how extreme this is going to be yet mm. but they're working out a formula to measure the maximum basically vertical G's, the vertical bouncing mm-hmm. and setting a limit where they say, okay you need to meet this requirement if you don't meet this requirement at the start of FP3, you must raise your car by one centimeter if you don't meet it after that, you are disqualified from the weekend.
0: I didn't realize that was the method they were gonna go with on this. Like Well, we, we don't know for sure. This is right. just an right. assumption. Okay, fair enough. I was gonna say, I was like, wow, that would be uh that would be quite, that would cause some shockwaves if that was the actual so, method.
1: <laughs> Though they did they did imply that the punishment for exceeding whatever standard they set will be disqualification. Well yeah,
0: it's a, it's a, it's a, I get it, it's a safety regulation, you know at the end of the day. So yeah, I we'll completely understand that one. Um, you cannot produce a dangerous car, it's that simple. Um I, I, I completely get why the FIA stepped in this. They had to. Like I said, when, when the main image at the end of Baku was Hamilton failing to get out of his car in what would be the 10-second mandatory <laughs> escape rule you would get in case of an accident or something like that because his back was so badly hurt. By what happened in Baku, they had to step in. It was a bad look for everybody involved. Um, you know... <sighs> The po- the political side of this is going to be uh, f- well because this has been a little
2: bit it's been a little bit weird how the responses have come from this mm. because you would think now because this is a this is not a universal like a universal ride height change because that would have to be approved by the teams mm. this is effectively going on a team by team basis. Mercedes stands to lose the most from this because their car suffers the worst vertical bouncing, the worst uh, amplitude. Mm. And so they would have to raise their car the most and lose the most performance as a result. Yet they're the ones advocating for it, while Red Bull and Ferrari, I would say Ferrari very understandably, don't want this to come in because of just the chance that it shakes up the order.
1: Mm.
0: Because it's pretty established right now. It's, it's Red Bull and Ferrari pretty close, and then it's a long way back to Mercedes.
2: Well, I think, re- I think the biggest component of that is that if you're Red Bull, the last thing you want is for your floor design and your setup to be outed in detail in full.
0: Yeah, understandable. We saw it with Ferrari and their engines a couple of years ago. You don't want that shit going public. Oh, and,
2: and I mean... We've seen shots underneath the Red Bull. The floor on that thing is art. It is by far the most complex, the most honed out of any floor on the grid. and they have taken the benefit of that. They're the team that's they do still suffer from a little little bit of bouncing, but it's just not as bad as anyone else.
0: Yeah, I mean, we saw Max talk about it on the Friday press conference where he was just like, (coughs) I think Hamilton and Russell should only speak for themselves regarding this issue because he was clearly sitting there going, well, I'm all right, Jack. Um, uh, How about the rest of you?
2: Well, and and it is a full grid issue, but we also had other changes this weekend. We had the addition of extra stays uh, that Mm. you were allowed to run on the floor, which Mercedes just so happened to conveniently turn up with a floor fully finished, right out of the factory, ready for uh, extra floor stays. Huh. Damn. With no signs of, uh, like the the usually when something is uh, rapidly built like that, you see signs of like rapid prototyping on the floor when you they three D print parts. The <sighs> it looks very. It, everyone looks very fishy, and everyone looks like they're. Just going to bat for themselves because they are. This is Formula One and the Formula One teams.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, think is any of the dialogue surprised you with all teams basically just digging their heels in, saying that either do or don't want this?
1: Like, I'm not surprised at all because generally, when it comes to safety, I'm going to be honest here. Teams don't care. The only people looking out for the safety of the drivers are themselves and the FIA. Yeah. Well, and to that effect, you hear everything out, out
2: of Mercedes uh, as far as Toto and the drivers. Meanwhile, James Allison, chief technical officer, is like, it really doesn't sound very keen on the whole uh, the whole solution imposed by the FIA.
1: Really? And like, <laughs> like obviously the comments made by George Russell after qualifying, saying that the FIA isn't doing enough, which. Huh? I, <laughs>
2: can I tell you what that is? That's Mercedes wanting their hydraulic trick suspension back. Yeah. Because that would be an instant fix.
0: Really? Like, that, like, because I think you mentioned before to me in other calls that, like, it's their suspension that was able to have them be part of the reason they were so good in previous years, right, Cam?
2: Well, all, uh, every team had something uh, on the level of... Basically, it's not like a Frick system like we had in 2014, and it's not the weird front-to-back system that wasn't Fricks that Mercedes had in 2016 that got banned going into 2017, which is actually one of the reasons why Mercedes started off 20, on a, 2017 on the back foot a little bit. Mm. But you had passive hydraulics working in the suspension to affect both the aero platform of the car and make the ride much, much smoother. All of that got banned for this year, just wholesale, all gone, because Mercedes and Red Bull were both playing games pretty bad with it last year. Uh, if you had seen last year when Mercedes took a big step near the end of the year, it's because they basically set their rear hydraulics to just drop the car once it hit a certain speed and stall the rear wing. And you can get a huge amount of straight line speed doing that, which is... One of the reasons why we saw Mercedes have such a resurgence late last year. Um, Everyone does it to an extent. They just had a little bit more of an advanced system. That would be an instant fix for porpoising. But it was totally banned this year. And now you don't have control of your platform that way. And you have to run these ground effect cars super low and super stiff to make them generate the downforce that they're supposed to. All except one. Because the Red Bull doesn't need to run that low and it doesn't need to run that stiff to get good performance out of it.
0: <sighs> so of course, well, now you're going to have two of the three biggest teams in the sport loggerheads over this. Now what they all have to sit. Down oh, all three listen. of them. Oh yeah, and 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 they're all going to sit around the table and try and figure out what a maximum amplitude rule is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how, like there are pencils. There are going to be pencils and pens thrown across the table. <laughs> like hot coffee going everywhere Because <coughs> how, how's that going to work now? Because they're all going to have different ideas of what they think a safe limit here is, isn't it?
2: Well, the trick here is going to be that the FIA should get data from all the teams and then set it themselves.
0: And at least that way no one can argue, right? Yeah. Because
2: then it's it's going to be rule the rule that everyone has to adhere to. And if some cars are worse
0: them's the brakes. Them's the brakes. Well, or in this case, them's the bouncing. But uh, yeah, good luck to the FIA trying to figure that one out with the teams as well. I think there's going to be a lot more nasty discussions regarding this before it's sorted. Um, So yeah, I say good luck to them on that one, you know, but uh, we will Uh, see.
2: Ultimately, they, they made a change for the driver's safety. And some teams are just going to have to pay the price on that.
0: Like, yeah, we want the cars to be safer. Not, no, not like that. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. So, we also got to talk a little bit about the the the, the grid in general. This was a this was a funnier one because we, we we haven't mentioned it much, but we we did get a wet qualifying session, like Saturday, it pissed down um, in the morning. Um, FP three was a washout. Um, then we still had a drying track by you know, by qualifying. Um, but <laughs> we had some fun stuff. We had Fernando Alonso on the front row, as you mentioned a minute ago. Um, oh, God, we had laps going up up and down like crazy. We had Perez basically. He crashed in, 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 in Q2. Had to start from, I think, 15th on the grid. And then the hilarious part of him trying to go through Canada's undergrowth to get back to pit lane. It was like watching a David Attenborough documentary. It was hilarious. Hi, <laughs> uh, I'm Bear Grylls, and I'm about to drink my own urine, etc. Uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Man, Man v Wild had its own F1 edition. There's your spin-off for, for Netflix, by the way. If any of the Drive to Survive producers are watching, oh, um... no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> If you want to grow the brand a bit more, you know, just write me a check. We'll talk. But uh, of all the midfield action we got, when well, there was a lot of it in this race, in all fairness, what jumped out to you, fellas? Uh,
1: I mean, it was an all right Canadian Grand Prix.
0: It was decent.
1: We
2: The, the on-track racing was a little bit dulled by the fact that uh, Lance Stroll had a fucking rocket engine in the back of that car. <laughs> Nobody could pass the Astons down the straight. It didn't matter how slow they were everywhere else. By the way, shout out to Aston Martin, who looked to have their best result of the year going, botched the tire pressures, and then had both cars bounced in Q1.
0: I almost took a hammer to the church after last week.
1: Yeah, because pretty much wherever Aston Martin was on track, they were holding position. They They were fast enough to maintain position, but not fast enough to move up the field. But no one could overtake them, so there was no way they were losing a spot on track, and pretty much their whole result was going to be based off of what happened Saturday, but botched it.
2: To be fair, though, Stroll brought home a point on
0: home soil. <sighs> Stroll! Matching his best result of the year, 10th. <laughs> where, where to go, Lance. Um, where to go? <laughs> it, it, it was something. I've got to talk about Fernando Alonso's weekend. I mean, it, it 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 was like Australia, but he actually got to finish the qualifying lap first this time, where he stuck it on the front row. Like Alonso was giving it the big one on Saturday night, like I'm gonna go maximum attack into turn one. He called me old in the press conference, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass him at the first corner. Like, Max and gave everyone... him the
2: business off the line.
1: Oh man, he was <laughs> like I think in in my race report I said he was like at least a car length ahead. Once they pull through that kink at the start, like yep. he was gone. Yep. Max yeah, Max made
0: absolutely sure there was no chance of that happening.
1: Ugh.
2: Yeah, and all uh, all Fernando ended up really accomplishing was holding off signs for just long enough that Max got out of DRS range and drove off in the first stint.
0: Yeah, yeah, was able to dictate the terms of engagement after that for pretty much the entire race until the final sixteen laps. But then Alonso just sank through the field because Alpine kept him out on the medium tire going for a one-stopper. Well,
2: (sighs) they had intended to pit under the second VSC, Mm. but it ended just as he got to the pit lane. Oh. So they they made a bet on the VSC. They got it and just couldn't quite capitalize. Mm. And then he had a uh, ERS failure that was costing him a good... I don't know. Second lap,
0: just brutal for. And this is a guy that's already gone into his fourth allocations on certain power unit elements already. He was taking penalties for this back in Catalonia um, a month ago regarding his allocation, and he's had another ers issue here. Like, ended up finishing seventh on track, but then lost two spots after the flag for a five-second weaving penalty on the final lap to keep uh, Valtteri Bottas behind him. Um, Sloppy, Alpine, is how I'd describe that. Sloppy. They got away with it to a degree because McLaren were nowhere this weekend, and I'll lead you into that, Cam, because uh, I know you... McLaren stink. That, that was his entire notebook on this one. Like, McLaren stink in capital letters. <sighs> go, go
2: uh, on, Cap. d- d- let's put it in perspective. Um, I've never heard Lando Norris so dejected after a race. And two races ago, he finished a race with tonsillitis.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the quote was something along the lines of, I want an ice cream, I want a bath, and I want to go home.
2: <laughs> Which We've all had those days. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing good about McLaren right now. Their car is might be the draggiest in the field, which just <sighs> Yeah, oh my god. They stink so bad. They're so bad.
0: It's it's like like Norris had struggled all weekend long with a power unit issue, which didn't help either. Um that was crippling him like it's it's like lando was so scathing after the race i believe he said something along the lines of i'm almost glad we had a weekend like this because it because it shows that we still have issues
1: yeah
2: yeah the car is slow the car is not the easiest thing in the world to drive and they they've they've, re- they've brought major upgrades to this car Uh, I mean, they they might have had the most changed car on the grid uh, in Spain, and it's done nothing. Um, When they, usually when they do get up into the points, it's out of circumstance, not, you know, outright pace. Mm. And they were beaten, like, like, were it not for severe reliability problems, they would be under threat for fourth and the constructors. They still might be, in any case, because Alpine is gonna, like, if Alpine continues to perform like this, because Alpine's been bringing upgrades pretty much every race, it's almost like a blue and pink uh, Red Bull now, in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, funny how that works. Amazing. Uh What's the? Uh, was it the blueberry Red Bull to go alongside the Aston Martin Dragon Fruit Red Bull?
0: Yeah the 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 green edition, uh, shall we say? Um, yeah, like...
2: there's there, there's nothing good at this. There's nothing good to say about McLaren, and there's nothing promising in the pipeline for me to say. They're going to take a big step forward. If Alpine keeps performing like this, they're going to run them down in the constructors because McLaren posted zero points this weekend.
0: Could you imagine if Alpine just snags fourth in the constructors? Like the plan is finally coming together.
2: <laughs> uh yes. The five, we're, we're what, year
1: seven into the five year plan to be yeah. mediocre? Yeah, and, and sometimes... and uh, well, well, always when people move the goalposts, they move them back. This time we're moving them up because instead of them competing for a construction championship at the end, uh, we're, we've moved it up to getting fourth place.
0: Yep. <laughs> the best of the B-teams. Oof. Oh, dear. Also, King, I know you wanted to shout out somebody as well in your notes here as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Z-
1: uh, Zhao Guan Yu. Uh, really... Solid day. But this it was definitely a Canadian Grand Prix where a solid day was a really great day.
2: <laughs> yeah, finished what? Uh got eighth out of it?
1: Yeah, got eighth after Alonzo got
2: penalized. Oh yeah, because Alonso then defended like a complete asshole going down the, str- <laughs> the the back straight
0: on the final lap of the race ahead of Valtteri. About five moves there from from, from Alonso on the way in. Uh, <laughs> you like, think
2: you are Marcus Eriksson?
0: <laughs> <laughs> like the best part about that was Alonso literally punching his steering wheel in frustration after the race was over. Oh my god. <laughs> He was livid at all of that. And yeah, King's absolutely right. I mean, if there was one man in the field who was owed a good day, it was Xiao Gran Yu, who's had three awful technical failures in the last five races. Um, none of this was his fault. Water leak, his power loss, he's had an hydraulics failure. He, anything that could have gone wrong on his car in the last half dozen rounds or so has happened to Guan Yu, Xiao. Um, so glad he's 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 had a good one. Glad he's actually had a really good day. Um, his best result in F1 today in eighth place. That was a really good result for him and Alpha Romeo in general because they need like they are in this race for fourth. Like yeah. you know, if they can get a few more good days like that from Zhao, they've got a genuine shot. Because but we all know Bottas has had a great season so far in, in in the lead. Alpha, he's done brilliant work to get Alpha up into play again. I say it before and I say it again. They were ninth last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm
2: looking. uh, Yeah, but that's just it. You know, when you've got regulations that are this fundamental of a change, nobody is safe, and anyone (laughs) can spring a surprise. I mean, I'm looking at the fight for fourth right now. You've got McLaren on sixty-five, Alpine's got fifty-seven. It's close.
0: It is close. That's
2: easily doable. Alfa Romeo just behind them with fifty-one. Then you've got a bit of a safety cushion back to Alpha Tauri, who just. They were slow, and Yuki Tsunoda, for all the good he's done this year, that might be the most embarrassing crash in modern F1 history.
0: <laughs> that was so bad. That was so bad. And uh, Hey, good news, gang. At least Aston Martin's overtaken Haas for eighth. Yay. Yeah, the
2: bottom has pretty much fallen out at Haas. Um, Kevin Magnussen made contact with Lewis Hamilton on last one. Tell me where you've heard that before. <laughs> and got meatballed. You always no. have to respect the meatball because I uh, broke his uh, right front wing end plate. And as I mentioned earlier, Mick. God damn it, Mick.
1: Yeah. He's mechanical. <laughs>
0: yep. Another Ferrari
1: PU failure.
0: Oh, he was running seventh. He was running seventh. Both passes were on, were on row three. They had a fantastic qualifying session. The car is fast over a lap. There is no doubt about that because Magnussen's got it up into into you know, deep into Q3 on quite a few occasions, and it's like old habits have creeped back into Magnussen's game. Where it's like the over-aggression is there, Sprinkling in a couple of technical DNFs, and Mick just being a bit slower in some cases in general, and we've had this.
2: Not ideal at all. I say, because last, the last two races, they've been, you know, in theory, on for good points, and just uh, everything falls apart in the race.
0: Indeed, indeed. Not ideal. F1's taken a couple of weeks off. We are back. Uh, it's first week in July. Uh, it's the British Grand Prix already? What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> it does not feel like it's the first week of July, and it's friggin' british grand prix weekend i don't like it here uh it's, it's it's weird the year is going very very quick but yes the british grand prix next weekend for formula one Woo! we'll be back next week for arguably the headline rounds on the MotoGP gp calendar it's the Assen tt the the biggest vibe of them all, and I love that we got breaking news in the chat during this episode. Pedro Acosta's broken his leg. Yeah, uh, broken.
2: <laughs> yeah, Pedro Acosta broke his leg in a motocross accident.
0: Oh, oh he was—he's definitely out for ass and, and probably for, well he's almost lucky that the summer break is directly after this race. <laughs> He's a lucky, lucky boy in that sense, which is a weird thing to say about a guy that's just broken his leg, but here we are. Uh, so, yeah, Assen TT next week for MotoGP. Please be good. Please. we were down bad after Germany. We need a good Assen. Please right basically you can find us one more time youtube and facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 instagram motorsport 101 pod twitter at motorsport underscore 101 at harrison 101 hd at ryan eric king at c buckley 917 at rj o'connell website motorsport101.com for all of our content and written stuff as well regarding all of the action we saw this past weekend patreon if you want to back us financially patreon.com forward slash motorsport101 like I said, we're we'll back next week for the Ass and TT. But until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Ryan Eric King and Cam Buckley. And until next time, error Bye.
2: Never go full Larson.
1: Oh man, no. I'm Ruff. hastily, I'm hastily grabbing all my orange gear.
0: I'm putting in the fire pit. It's all over. <laughs> 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 Was it? Did it ever really start to begin with? (laughs) (laughs) On a slightly serious note, there's 170,000 words in the English language we commonly use. Most reasonable people will only ever ask to not use 12 of them. Do better. Good night.